This episode of Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by Hills. At Hills, their decades of science and research guide the company in creating nutrition that's a step ahead so pets and pet parents can enjoy every day together. As the U.S.'s number one veterinarian recommended pet food brand, knowledge is Hills' first ingredient. With 220-plus veterinarians, Ph.D. nutritionists, and food scientists working to develop breakthrough innovations in pet health. Hills Prescription Diet, Therapeutic Nutrition, plus the company's everyday foods, Hills Science Diet, Hills Healthy Advantage, and Hills Bioactive Recipe are sold at vet clinics and pet specialty retailers worldwide. For more information about Hills, their products, or their forward-thinking approach to nutrition, visit them at hillspet.com or hillsvet.com or connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by La Mega KC, Kansas City Spanish radio station. Listen online or at 100.5 FM. We're also sponsored by our friends at 1KC Radio. Listen at 100.1 in the KC Metro or online at 1kcradio.org. An amazing tale of trauma and pain turned into triumph and love. Jeff Calloway tells us the story of his dog, Ethan, coming up on Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Dave Shapiro. And I'm Sierra Howe. We're coming to you from the studio deep in the heart of Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We're a nonprofit organization whose goal is to keep pets and people together through supportive services. Indeed it is. Sierra, it's nice to have you back in the studio. uh, I was sitting in here before we started recording. I'm like, man, it feels like ages because I was out sick when you did the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been like four weeks. So that's (laughs) here. That's like an eternity. I know, but it's going by so fast. I don't like it. Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah, so we're here in the studio. Um, Everybody is melting. We have a giant tent out in the parking lot now and like a mister. Is that what we have? Yes, it's pretty awesome. And there's even a pool for dogs. So that's exciting. Yeah, trying to keep everybody cool since we're doing drive-up services still, Um, especially our staff too. They're running pets in and out of the building all day. Every and it, let me tell you, I do it a little bit every now and then, and it's tough work. It really is. It really is. I would, mm, I don't want to be too dramatic, but I'd die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I get burnt when I'm out there, even if it's just for like 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. It's rough work. Um, I'm glad that I get to sit so, behind the desk. So kudos to all of our coworkers and volunteers who are out there doing that right now. Exactly. Okay. Well, we're going to talk to Jeff Calloway, a very nice gentleman from Kentucky um, who rescued a dog named Ethan. Um, but first, a little pet news. It was time for Paula to brush her dog, Bonnie. She'd just taken her collar off to get started when Bonnie took off, escaping. Paula was incredibly worried that she'd never see Bonnie again. After all, she was a rescue dog brought to England from the streets of Crete several years ago. Would she know how to find her way home? As it turns out, there was no need to worry. A man named John found Bonnie on the side of the road and put her in his car with his own dogs. Where was he headed? No joke, a dog show. Quote, she was such a lovely dog, I thought it'd be good to enter her, he said to the BBC. I was in a bit of a rush to get there when we found Bonnie and put her in the car. So while the show took place, he did his due diligence and scoured social media trying to find Bonnie's owner. Eventually, they connected, and by then, 
she'd won third place in the rescue dog class in the show. Quote, we're so thrilled she's safe and well and also a winner, Paula told BBC. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. (laughs) I had read the first paragraph and I'm like, oh, you know, this will be a cute story. And then it's like, boom. What? Yeah. No, it was. Okay. Yeah. Personally, I'm not quite sure how I would feel if some stranger found my lost dog and entered them in a contest. Just because I know I would be so worried and sick to my stomach. Right. But, you but know, at the end of the day, he did rescue the dog and did the right thing and picked her up. So, right. all righty. Well, up next, we all know how miserably hot it's been these past couple of weeks. And for stray animals, well, it's a lot more difficult for them to find shelter to escape from this dangerous heat. Well, one kitten in Arkansas thought outside of the box, or maybe I should say inside of the box, and managed to shimmy himself inside of an ATM machine. Staff members at Region Regions Bank still aren't sure how the little guy got inside, but he most likely crawled in there to seek shade. And when the Fort Smith Fire Department responded to the call, they opened up the ATM and there he was. They transferred him to Fort Smith Animal Haven where he weighed in at just under one pound and was appropriately named Cash. The vet techs at Fort Smith Animal Haven say that Cash was pretty scared when he arrived at the shelter because who wouldn't be after something like that? But after a couple of days of handling, he started to warm up to the staff. Now, quote, once you pick him up, he's just a big purr box. He's the sweetest little baby. And he's on track to be adopted soon. So kudos to everyone who participated in Cash's rescue. That's really a new one for me, the cash machine. Me too. It's like, how does he even get in there? There's right. probably like an opening in the back. or Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, I, guess I, so. I don't think he could obviously fit through the little cash slot right. or no. anything like that. So mm-hmm. that's, I mean. And he was this tiny little kitten. He was so cute. Oh, man. Um, so let's go talk to our friend, Jeff. All righty. Today, we're talking about a very special dog named Ethan who lives in Kentucky. We've got his owner, Jeff Calloway, here to tell us about his story and their journey through his rehabilitation and onto his current career as an ambassador for stricter animal abuse laws in his state. Jeff, welcome to Pet Resource Radio. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. So let's start with you. You ended up fostering Ethan. Were you already doing animal welfare? Is that your background? Uh, Not necessarily my background. I did work, as I still do, work for the Kentucky Humane Society, uh, but I work in the facilities department, so it's more maintaining uh, the buildings uh, at the the Humane Society. Gotcha. Okay. Well, and that... That's yeah. And I know with places like that, I mean, like it is here, uh, you end up getting roped in no matter where you work. Um, and- <laughs> right. I, now, now, personally, I have several other dogs that are rescues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of on a personal level, you know, we've always sort of been involved in that. But uh, working for the Humane Society, my job was actually a little bit different. Right. So Ethan was dumped in the parking lot of, of that shelter. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So someone on that on that uh, January 29th, someone pulled into the parking lot and pulled perpendicular to a parking spot and, and got out and, and pulled a kind of feces urine covered bed and, and threw it in a parking spot and then got him out. He was covered in the same stuff and, and put him on top of the bed and then drove off. Oh, gosh. Wow. So then it would be, you know, he obviously needed help. What was, what was that like? What was the initial assessment? 
so uh, initially, you know, it, it was COVID. So, you know, the building was really closed to, you know, if you pulled in, you really needed a call. Mm-hmm. So luckily there was a family that was dropping off donations and they were leaving and their son spotted him in the parking spot. And so they stopped and called and someone uh, from the Humane Society rushed out, grabbed him, brought him into the vet services area where their initial reaction was, um, you know, why would you bring a dead dog in here? Right. We can't do anything. And they saw him take a breath. And as soon as they saw him take a breath, they immediately stopped what they were doing. And they, they jumped right on, you know, taking care of him. And it was, you know, he, he was, I've heard Dr. Buley say he was, he was the thinnest dog they'd ever seen that was still alive. Wow. How much did he weigh at that time? He weighed 38 pounds. And as later we sort of found out he was a mastiff uh, at about eight or nine months old, you know, as he, as he got better, we were able to kind of determine his age a little bit more. He should have been between 80 and 85 pounds. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. Um, well, so he was in the hospital, I believe you told me for five days. Yeah. So, so that, First night, she went home with one of the vet techs on an IV, and uh, she had him in her home, and he started seizing in the night. And so she took him, rushed him into, uh, you know, an emergency hospital here in Louisville, mm-hmm. and had to stop several times on the way to, to kind of reach into the back seat to even make sure that he was still breathing. Oh wow! And so got got him to the hospital. Uh, they got him stable, but they. You know, we're not very optimistic. He was in the hospital for uh, five days. He came back to uh, the Humane Society, still not able to walk. And uh, so on that sixth day uh, was the first time that he was able to, to get up on his own and take a few steps. Oh, wow. So how long overall was his rehabilitation until he was you know, back at some sort of healthy uh, state? Uh, it, it took quite a while because when he came back, uh, so when I, the first day he was dropped off, uh, you know, they called me as the facility director and said, Hey, someone just dropped a dead dog in the parking lot. Can you check the cameras and see if we can figure out who it is? Right. I, I came back, I looked at the cameras, I found the car, but you couldn't, you know, determine anything from it. Sure. And I, I popped my head into the vet services area and saw them working on him. And I, I didn't stay, I didn't interrupt him. But when I saw him, there was just a connection there. Like he didn't have a name. I didn't know if he was going to even make it through the night, but I just, there was something in me that I just knew he was my dog. And I, I knew I would do anything I could to take care of this dog. So over that first weekend, I was texting with the vet asking, you know, how he's doing, you know, what's going on. And so she was giving me updates and she was, you know, very, being very honest. And she said, it's not looking good. I, you know, I just don't know if he's going to make it. So when he came back to the Humane Society, you know, my question to, to them was, what can I do? And they said, if you wanted to volunteer to come in at nighttime to take care of him and, you know, give him medicine, change his bandages, take him for a walk, take him outside. And I immediately said yes. And so for the next uh, nine, 10 days or so, I would come in at nighttime and take care of him. And he was, while his body was healing from like obvious trauma, mm-hmm. you know, his mind just wasn't exactly right either. And I would take him for a walk and he would kind of wander just from place to place, like there was no direction at all. And so I would like come in and play games with him and we would play fetch and I would get the, you know, little board games you can put toys under and, uh-huh. and they've got to do different things to get the, or the treats and get different things out. Cause I wanted to keep his mind going. I wanted to stimulate his mind and get everything going. And so it took maybe that first 
month really and, and eventually i started bringing him home with me at nighttime to foster him and then i would bring him back to the humane society during the day and probably the first maybe three to four weeks after that he came to my house for the whole weekend mm-hmm. and and i've got at that time i had five other dogs and when he was there for that 48 hour period it was almost like he found his dog self again oh, he wow. was interacting with the dogs like dogs he, that's when he first started to bark it's when i first saw him run it's when i first saw him like interact and play with the other dogs it, it, he just needed that you know that brief period of time to to heal himself and then be around other dogs and it was like he was learning all over again from just being a little puppy well and i wonder too because you know obviously we we don't know the specifics of the situation that he came from but one would assume that if he was you know in that kind of condition that he didn't have any other dogs to interact with that he probably i mean did he ever you know what i mean yeah and it's it, it's it's been you know, and we were always very careful to say we weren't sure of his beginnings. Was it intentional neglect? Was he abandoned? Was did his owner pass away? Did they get did right. they get a COVID and go hospital? We were very careful. And, but in the summertime, end of June or so, he started developing seizures. Mm. Uh, and so we took him in for an MRI, and he, they found lesions on his brain oh. that were specifically caused from the dehydration and starvation um, that were causing his seizures. But what they also found was brain damage from being hit in the head. And so from that point, it was obvious that he had been abused along with being neglected and abandoned. And he had been in a position because of the pressure shores on his legs. He had obviously been in some container cage, something where he couldn't get up. Right. And then, you know, obviously this is, it's a, you know, people, react strongly to those stories and so his story started gaining traction online what, what was it like to see all the support that he received uh it's it's been phenomenal you know when when the humane society first posted about him he and people were just drawn to it and i think it was a, a big combination of the times that we were in you know covid had, had been around for seven eight months mm-hmm. and people uh you know were trying to work from home they weren't interacting very much there were people were losing you know family members or loved ones without even being able to say goodbye and there was so much negativity mm-hmm. and here comes this story again that a lot of people have told me they were very hesitant to even follow because they just couldn't handle another terrible story but they would check in and day after day he would get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and so all these people start following and so i felt a tremendous responsibility when I adopted him to follow up with, with everyone and make sure that they could still follow his story and follow his journey because he was such a, a fascinating and, and such a lovable dog and, and, and people responded so well to him that I wanted to keep that going. And so I kept his Facebook uh, or I started a Facebook page for him and Instagram and the tremendous support, uh, a, from the local community and the local media, in addition to nationwide, has been just phenomenal. I mean, it's overwhelming to me uh, because they're so kind and, and so supportive of me and my family and him. That part of what you know, part of what we started doing with his social media or his Facebook and part of his message, because it would have been easy for him to be an aggressive dog have been easy for him you could perfectly understand after being so mistreated that if he was hesitant uh, to be around people or uneasy but he's complete he's the complete opposite and so 
you know, part of his message and his story as he goes around and, and kind of gives back is to always be kind to others, you know, love and support and kindness. You never know what someone else is going through. So, you know, when, when something happens and, and maybe you, you, you want to lash out and something, you know, think of someone else, be kind. That goes a lot, a lot further than anything else. And so that's sort of become his message is to please do something kind for someone today. And it's created a whole community and everyone that follows him, you know, I, I, I term them as Ethan's extended family. And I, I really honestly mean that because all everyone that follows him is so passionate about him because they each have like a personal connection to him that is different from anybody else, whether they've met him or not. They, they, they had this personal connection because he has done something positive in their life. And it, it really is overwhelming to me. And, and so I feel like I, I just want to continue to give back, give back to people. Well, and so, yeah, now he's like a little celebrity. What, what is his life like now? What do you guys do? It's, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I've told people all along, if you see us out together, please stop and say hello. And so that does happen, you know, everywhere we go, uh-huh. you have to plan on a few extra minutes here or there because we'll, st- you know, he gets recognized whether I go to home Depot or I, I and I take him everywhere and whether I take him for a walk in my neighborhood, I take him to the, I take him to the mall. I take him to the Coles. I take him to the, a lot of stores and we get recognized all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I always stop so they can pet him. They can see him. A lot of people want to take pictures with them. Uh, but he always, like brings a smile to people's faces mm. a lot of times even even today a year and a half later people will cry when they meet him uh because they there's just a story he has he has brought something into each one of their lives that has been positive and you know i tell people a lot one of the things that one of the things that has changed among many is that I'm not around negative people anymore because mm. he's with me all the time right and so Everyone that's around him is always happy and in a good mood. So it's really, it's really kind of interesting. And he's done so many local things for the community. He was in the Kentucky Derby Parade. Uh, he threw out the first pitch at a baseball game. Oh. He he was given an award through, which was was very cool. Given a, the Champ Award from the Muhammad Ali Center here locally. Uh, he was you know honored at one of the local uh, professional soccer games. Uh, and so they have been so kind to him. Uh, all along his all along his journey. Well, what is next for Ethan? What are what are some things that the two of you are working towards together? Uh, currently, he is one of the uh, three finalists in the shelter category through American Humane Hero Dog Awards. Uh, nice. They they have Hero Dog Awards each year, seven different categories from military canine, uh, search and rescue therapy. Uh, some others too, and he's in the shelter categories in the final three. Voting is going and, and until this Friday, which is actually, which is July twenty second. But um, we're, we're really hoping that his support could uh, possibly earn him the honor of being the, the shelter dog of the year through American Humane, which would help. I would hope to spread his message even more and bring more well awareness to shelters and rescues mm-hmm. around the country. Uh, we, we've started uh, locally. People have ask him to come to uh, some senior centers. We've been asked to come to uh, hopefully try and get into a program where we can go to children's hospitals. Uh, he, he loves everybody, but little kids and older folks are like right in his wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. He just, 
I mean, I, I take him to some of these senior centers and it's, and he goes around and, and greets each one and almost understands what each individual person needs, mm-hmm. whether they, he needs to be just a little bit back or they really want him up there, you know, right there so they can scratch him or pet him or something. And so I want to continue that. And in addition to uh, last year, we got heavily involved with uh, the state general assembly here in Kentucky, uh, hoping to try and pass some stricter animal welfare laws. Uh, it's a t- it's tough business. It is a uh, spider web of a lot of history, yeah. and um, but he he has so much support uh, that you know I'm willing to willing to get back in there and and see what we can do. And if and if Ethan being around or some of his supporters could help, you know, put some pressure on some lawmakers to try to change some things and make it a little bit tougher for folks to do some of these things to animals, you know, I, we'll be right there to help out. Well, okay, so so how has this changed you? Um, just on the surface, it has made me a, a much more public person, which I was never before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just wasn't it wasn't out there on on Facebook or social media very much at all. Uh, now I post several times a day through his social media. Uh, so that part has changed. But me as a person, being around him, and um, seeing his impact on people mm-hmm. has, has changed me tremendously as a person. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a more compassionate person. I'm, I'm kinder. Uh, I, I try to uh, see things from other standpoint, uh, try to understand what others are going through and realize what just a little bit of love and kindness can do uh, for somebody, even just small little words. I mean, you, you never know what someone's going through when you start to talk to them. And so just being kind to them might be the words that they just need to help them through the day. Um, if, if Ethan is with me, sometimes just seeing him, uh, brightens people's day. I, I, I can't, I mean, I, I've gotten emails and letters and cards from people around the country telling me what Ethan's story did for them at just the right time they lost someone or they were going through uh some horrendous horrendous thing i, I mean and it i'm it's not an exaggeration when i say i've had four different people come to me and say they were contemplating suicide and they found ethan's story and they thought i just want to see what happens with this dog yeah and as he got better they, it, it kept them going the next day to see, is he going to make it again? Is he going to make it again? And it got them over whatever hump they had to get over. And it and eventually it got them to a point where they said, if he can fight, then I'm going to fight. Right. And it got them to the point where they, you know, those folks got out of bed or they got some help and they, and they stayed in it. And there's been a couple instances where people were diagnosed with cancer. And one in particular that I had on, on a podcast that I had started a while back, she was not, she was, she was tired. She was fatigued. She decided she was not going to fight the cancer. And she saw Ethan's story and she saw how hard he was fighting every day. And she decided to start fighting her cancer and she was going to get treatment and she's now cancer free. Wow. And so those kind of things impact me tremendously and just want, they, they encourage me to, to continue to stay out there and, and to, to help in any way that I can. Well, Jeff, it's been wonderful talking to you. Um, 
Thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for sharing Ethan's story, not just with us here on the show, but with everybody. Um, now you're on, you said Facebook and Instagram. Uh, is it Ethan Almighty on both platforms? Yes, Ethan Almighty. All right. So yeah, if you want to see his adventures um, and what he's doing and what he's up to, um, he's a real sweetie. He's a real sweetie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I appreciate you having. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, the only other thing I want to say, if, if I can, yeah, is uh, he his story is such an incredible thing. But the the longer that I have him, day after day, he's just an incredible dog. He he's a a sweet soul who loves everyone. And it, it, and if you if anyone ever gets to meet him, they'll, they'll understand it. There's just something different about him that I love so much. And I just want to thank everybody for all their love and support. You know, his his story is not the same without each and every person's story of, of you know, their interaction with him, whether they've met him or not. They have a connection with him, and it's not the same without every single one of them. So I, I thank them very much, and, and thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Dr. Washington. Yes. Hello. Hi. I feel like I just saw you. A man. Okay. Deja so, vu. <laughs> um, today we want to talk about dentals a little bit. What what right. you got to say about it? Because we're doing them here now, which is very yes. exciting. Okay. Oh, so exciting. We really want to get your pets in and clean their teeth. We just, we love it. We, it's so important for animals to have good dental health, just like humans. Mm-hmm. Your dentist is going to tell you if you don't come in for the cleaning, you can have bacteria floating around your bloodstream and it can affect your heart. It's the same for our pets. And just imagine if you have a four-year-old pet, if you didn't brush your teeth for four years, what's mm. going to be going on in the mouth, right? Right. And so the difference with dogs and humans and cats and humans is that a lot of their teeth differ in the root amount mm-hmm. and root length. Um, and different breeds of dogs are going to have more issues than others and sizes too. So our little dogs with our short little mouths and don't have a lot of room for the teeth in mm-hmm. there are going to be a lot more prone to dental disease as compared to a German Shepherd or Pitties or our labs. So it's really a lot more important for small dogs to come in routinely for their dental exams. We really try to look at every mouth for every pet that we see during wellness. Um, but sometimes that can range from 70 to 90 pets a day. So sometimes we miss it. So if you're smelling an odor in the mouth, you look at the teeth and there's a brown color or your pet is two or three years old and you've never discussed dental care with your vet, bring them in. Those are the pets we want to see. Right. We want to see them when they're one to three years old so they can get on a routine schedule of getting their teeth cleaned, just like you or I would at a dentist. Yep, exactly. And you can also, you know, if you've got a puppy or a kitty, you can, you know, you can train them to brush their teeth. Yes, you absolutely can. So I think that everyone listening, I think that's what you should do. Well, Doc, thank you so much for stopping by. We always love to talk to you. You're welcome. And now we say goodbye to you, friends. Big thanks again to Jeff Calloway for being on the show today. If you want to follow his adventures, his handle is Ethan Almighty on Facebook and Instagram. As for us, we're a nonprofit keeping pets and people together, and you can help. Just go to PRCKC.org and you can donate, volunteer, shop our online store, and more.
If you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, be sure to rate us and leave us a review. That always helps new people find us. And for the latest info, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at PRR Podcast on both platforms. So tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as author Don DeLillo wrote, there is a thing about the trust of a dog that makes up for a lot of heartache we take in this life. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, written and co-hosted by Sierra Howe and David Shapiro, recorded, edited, mixed, and mastered by Dave Shapiro, music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Musical Industries.